is his voice, so you don't have to worry about uh, being yelled at this evening, which is glorious. He's a, a, a dear friend of ours. He's been part of our community um, for a while, and we've been able to see just the, um, the fruit of the Spirit um, in John's life. And every once in a while, we like to give an opportunity for those who have been walking with us and serving in different levels and capacity, an opportunity to share their hearts as we acknowledge the gift of God on John to preach the word. Amen. Woo. Come on, Christina. Let's bow our heads. Can we just pray for John? Father, we thank you for John Howard. Lord, we thank you for his life. We thank you, Lord, that we get to be part of his life and witness, Lord, uh, your hand upon his life. And God, we want to, um, we want to eat from the wisdom. We want to, Lord, just have an impartation here of what you've given to John. And Lord, I ask, Lord, that you'd open us, the listeners, our hearts and our ears open to receive from the gift of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I guess I'll start by saying this. I um, I took a public speaking class once. I think one of the uh, first things I learned early on was that um, if there was anything like on my mind or uh, in the room that was bothering me, that I should like point that out. And it helped me to like get over it, or it helped me to uh, deliver whatever I was saying better. So I'm gonna just go ahead and do that first. But um. <laughs> I have, um, I've been here for about a year and a couple months now, and just, I guess this past week I've been kind of reflecting on uh, how much I've been able to grow just this short time in Boston, and just realizing how much the House of Prayer and just this community has played a huge part in that. And so it's just, um, I guess for me it's just been really, I'm definitely excited to be talking today, but at the same time, I was also like this, um, what's the proper word to use there? I'm going to just put this little disclosure in there. I'm a very long-winded speaker, so I may just pause at times. Don't feel awkward. I'm just thinking. But it's just, um, I think that, I forgot what I was saying. I'm going to just start. How's that? Actually, no, I'm going to, before I start, I want to, can I share a testimony real quick? I know you gave me like 35. I know, but you gave me a time limit, so I'm going to be brief. And I am going to like, I will be talking about money for those who really get, you know, uncomfortable with talking about money in church. You can cover your ears, I'll be brief. But just a quick testimony, I've been, um, a couple months, or a month ago, about a month ago, I decided to leave my apartment. I had a little running with my landlord. We had a disagreement, so I just told him I was leaving. And um, I'm from Detroit. It's very easy to find an apartment there. Like, if <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, in a week or so, you could have something. I mean, everything's open. And so I had that same mindset out here. I was like, oh, it'll be easy. And that was not the case. I was about, uh, it, was, it was about three days uh, before I, I mean, before the deadline was when I found a place, but before that, maybe two weeks ago, um, I took my I took time off of work just to give myself a little spring break. And um, when I got back uh, that Monday, 
I, the, I walk in. I'm like, it's a few people in here. And I get to my boss, and, like, they have laid off. Out of the 450 people that were there, they had laid off half the people in one day. And so my boss meets me at the door. He's like, you know, you're including this, whatever, long story short. So I'm laid off. And so, like, I'm looking for an apartment. I'm laid off. Just all this thing. And I think one of the um, reoccurring things for this year, for me, my relationship with God has been like, God has always been saying to me, do you trust me? Every, every single moment, it's, I mean, everything that's been going on in my life, wild things I could go on for days talking to you guys about, but every, every time uh, I just hear like this little whisper of like, do you trust me? And so I'm, I'm riding the, uh, the bus back. I'm riding the bus back um, to, <laughs> um, back to my place. And I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm a very, I have a, I'm very resolved in a sense. I don't really get wavered a lot, but um, I was just talking to God. I'm like, what do you want me to do? And I just felt very strongly. He was just like, you know, uh, tithe 20%. And you guys are like, John, how are you going to tithe? You don't have a job. But they did pay me for uh, the week I had worked, and they paid me for uh, all the vacation time I didn't use, which was a lot of money. And like, uh, so God was like, you know, tithe 20%. I felt that in my spirit, and so I did that. And um, so like I said, the 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 deadline came for me to be moving. And uh, again, I'm like watching my money. I'm like, you know. But um, the deadline came for me to be moving. And um, this was yesterday, actually. And uh, so I'm walking to the place that, I, the, one of the apartments that I wanted to check out. And I'm very, uh, I was very nervous at this point because there's three days left. And I had some horrible experiences with apartments. And... Um, so I'm, so I'm walking, and uh, my alarm goes off on my phone, so I pick it up. Uh, in small groups, we had this thing of, like, we were supposed to um, be thankful. So, like, our, our alarm goes off, and we're like, uh, be thankful. That's what the alarm says. And so I just start thanking God for just things that really haven't even happened yet. I've been thanking him for precision, provision and for money and just all these other things that have, haven't even happened yet. And just this peace comes over me, and just I'm, I'm in the story pretty soon. But, um, but, um, we, um, oh, okay. My family, every time, so we grew up on, in Detroit, it was, uh, our address was 14225 Rutland, okay? And every time we would move, it, it just worked out to where, like, either, it was 14225 Rutland, then we lived on, uh, Grand River. And it worked out to, like, wherever we moved, we were always either on a street, or we were always either on Grand River, or we was, we were always, uh, the numbers were always the, uh, it was either 14225 or something like that. It was always in the mix. And so I was like, God, it would be great if you would give me something like that, you know. And um, so I'm walking, and I look up at the, the street sign that I'm supposed to be turning on, and it says Warwick. I'm like, huh, my dad lives on Warwick. And so, like, it's just God just really just showing that he's answering my, the question he's been asking me of, like, do you trust me? I'm like, yes, God, I trust you. And he just shows me all these things, and, like, I'm still, I wasn't, um, I'm definitely not distraught to be out of that job. I hated it much. I was going to be out in about two months or so. I was planning that. And so that wasn't really the, the, the sad thing about it. But I just, even in that, like, I, I do know I need to work. And, and, you know, the job hasn't come yet. But it's just this idea of, of, like, do you trust me? Like, God isn't, like, he doesn't care about the 20% that I gave him. He's not, like, you know, about to buy him or whatever. 
he's just like, you know, it's, it's the hard issue of like God or, or John, do you trust me? Do you trust me more than the money you have? Or do you trust me more than these things? And so I just want to encourage you guys in that of like whenever, whatever God is asking of you, whether it's your time, your money, whatever it is, you know, trust God. But sorry. Um, first John, I'm actually lead off with the first Daryl has been uh, in the past three weeks, which has been great. He's been talking about uh, love looks like something and that you just can't, you know, continually say, God, I love you. God, I love you. God, I love you. And it never really materializes anyway. And um, we'll just start there. And I'll open up my Bible. Uh, it says, we know, or I'm sorry, First John chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. It says that uh, we know that we have come to know God if we obey his commands. Suppose someone says, I know him. But suppose that person does not do what God commands, and that person is a liar and is not telling the truth. Like I said, Daryl's been focused on the, uh, the fact that you can't, you know, continually say that you uh, love God and it never really surfaced anywhere else in your life. But I, one thing while he was speaking that really caught my eye was the, the, uh, the words uh, to know God. And, you know, like, I guess... I mean, there's multiple ways to, I guess, experience God and understand God. But uh, when you talk about to know God, is you can, you can, um, I'll just say this: you can't uh, know God without knowing His Word, and you can't know His Word without knowing God. And so, I really just want to talk today about what it really looks like uh, to know God and to know His Word. And so, um, if we, I guess, when we talk about the mind and like memorizing scripture, it could almost feel like this, or you can almost uh, put this like legalism tag on it, like this bad religion tag on it. And that's really not the case because in Romans 12 too, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so like we, uh, we often like treat the mind of this as like, if it's like this horrible thing that's always warned against God. And so we just try to understand everything with our heart and be free and just never uh, dig into what he's given to us. But in actuality, if um, to really understand God with your heart, the mind has to be involved because you have to be transformed by uh, the renewing of your mind. And so the re- renewed mind is like, uh, I don't know, it's like it's, it's watering your heart, if that makes sense. And so I just want to, oops, I don't know how to work iPad, so something just happened. Oh, I got it, sorry. But um, can we go to John 15, 7 and 8? The Bible's upside down. says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I think uh, what was interesting to me in verse 8 where it says that uh, by this my Father is glorified. And so like, 
when we talk about the word abiding in you and the word bearing fruit, that is really a form of glorifying God. And I just felt in that moment when I was reading that, it was like, you know, God telling me, like, John, you know, put your hands down, stop praising me with your lips, and get in the word. That's what really glorifies me, you know, the word bearing fruit in your life. And so it's not just, you know, you always lifting your hands and, like, God, you're just so amazing. You know, God, I glorify you. It's, you know, I'm getting your word, you know, and, and learn what I have put uh, before you and what I've given you here and allow that to bear fruit in your life. And that's what really glorifies me. I think um, when we talk about the idea of abiding, if you just take a literal house, say if I had hypothetical money and I bought a hypothetical house in Jesus' name, and I bought a hypothetical house, um, I guess when you consider, or when you, uh, consider house and like it, it, it's your house, when, it's, when it snows outside, it's your responsibility to go out and shovel the snow. When it's like, when you have a, you know, like a, I don't know, an insect infestation or rat infestation, you take the precautions to um, get rid of those things and whatever that may be. But, um, but the third thing about, I guess, a house is, is like you, it's something you return to every day. And so you bought the house with the intention of returning to it every day. And so when you talk about the word abiding in you, it's, it's something that you uh, go to every day. And so, like, when we talk, if you can relate the, uh, when I talked about either the mice or whatever it may be, in, uh, just maybe taking over your house, the word is there to get rid of those things, whatever that may look like in your own life. Uh, when you talk about, or when we talk about abiding, it's really this idea of not just, you know, reading it and understanding it, but it's this, it's this, uh, active, uh, just movement and, and really living in your house, taking care of your house and taking care of what's, what's yours. Make sense? Um, I know Daryl doesn't really like you guys, or doesn't make you guys raise your hands, but I'm going to make you guys raise your hands in this part. But um, have you ever read something in the Word and you were just like, oh, my God, this is so good? Anybody? Most of the people. Well, I was reading Mark chapter 4, and, uh, I mean, I guess when, you, when that happens to you, you can almost just say, like, oh, my God, I really have this relationship with God because, you know, this is, I'm, I'm relating to what he's saying. But in Mark, um, let's go there, Mark 4. Mark, Mark 4. Verses. Sorry. Verse 16 and 17. It says, uh, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground whose who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and then have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Uh, afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. I guess that was very just convicting for me, because I know, like, often I'm like, when I'm in my word, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so good. And, like, you can almost... Uh, Equate that to just having this awesome relationship with God because he's just speaking to you and with, uh, or just speaking to your spirit. But reading that is like the excitement is not what 
uh, validates you as a person with, in a relationship with God. What validates you is the is the root system and the and the fruit bearing, and so the the excitement is an invitation. It's it's not the uh, I guess that's what what I was learning. It's not the excitement is really an invitation. It's it's this uh, the the revelation to your spirit. It, it gets you excited, but it's not uh, the the end goal, or it's not what God intended, or it's not what He says is. Um, it, is, is you abiding or him abiding in you? That, that, is, or that excitement does not validate uh, him abiding in us. It's, it's an invitation to really abide in him. Um, and I'm going to just read a few different verses. Or I'm, uh, I guess in Isaiah 58. Um, let's go there, actually. Isaiah 58, verse 2, it says, uh, Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as a nation uh, did right, did, as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. I don't know, it's, it was this, so I would just give you context because it wouldn't be worth it to read the whole passage, but it talks about um, Israel and how they, continually sought God because it was this really, they were really excited about uh, the way he responded to them. And uh, so they would continually seek him in different ways and in, in multiple different ways. But then once he, talk, he spoke to them, uh, they didn't respond with obeying the commandment that he had given them. They were just excited that God was talking to them. And so uh, just in that verse, you know, it's pretty much a rebuke of really just being too excited to just hear God talk to you rather than responding to that invitation of knowing God uh, even more. And we see this again um, with Herod. Uh, when he uh, beheaded John, yeah, I could actually go there too. Mark chapter 6. Verse 20, it says, uh, For Herod feared John, knowing that he was just and holy, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. And then you see a few verses later that, he, uh, that he's responsible for beheading John. So he, he, he receives uh, the, the truth uh, from John with, with so much gladness. He's like responding with him with, with great things and with great joy and really just uh, blessing him. And then he kills him a few verses later. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, again, just validating that, you know, it's not the excitement that, that we get that validates our relationship with God. It's, it's really uh, responding. And we'll just read one more passage from Ezekiel. Is it Ezekiel 33? 
Ezekiel 33, um, verses 30 through 33. It says, uh, as for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking about you uh, beside the walls and in the doors of the houses. And they speak to one another, uh, everyone saying to his brother, please come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. So they come, so they come to you as a people, as people do. They sit before you as my people, and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouths they show much love, but their hearts uh, pursue their own gain. Indeed, you are to, to them a very uh, lovely song. Can't see. <laughs> Indeed, you are to them a very loving song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play with an instrument, for they... Uh, hear your words, but they do not do them. And when they come to pass, surely it will come. Uh, then they would know that a prophet has been up among them. Again, we just see here in Ezekiel that um. <laughs> again, we see here in Ezekiel that um. So uh, you, we see that uh, these the they really respect is, or Ezekiel here. They're they're really excited because they know he's hearing from God, and so they're. Even in secret, they're very, uh, they're talking uh, so well about him, about how he hears from God. And uh, they're just like, you know, if you need uh, anything from God, just go to Ezekiel. You can talk to him. And then it says they receive the word from God and then they don't do it. It says, we'll read, it says, um, in verse 32, it says, Indeed, you are to them a very loving song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play with, with uh, well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not do them. So it's just, again, just re- really excited about the word and really excited about uh, what God is saying. And that's, I mean, like really hearing from God, not just like, I mean, they knew Ezekiel, but they knew it was God speaking through Ezekiel. And they were so excited about this, but they didn't respond. And so I guess what I just, what I'm trying to just pull, uh, pull out of all of us through these few uh, different passages, not just to receive the word with gladness and not just to uh, be excited about what it's saying, but really give that an invitation to uh, have a deep root system in us all. Um, a couple months ago, I started, I was studying John 1. I was studying John 1, and uh, I got to the end where it talks about the, the first disciples, uh, how they came about, and how they were chosen, and how they decided to follow Jesus. And um, I don't know, I, I tend to get really excited about passages that people don't get really excited about. But I, I found so much in here that uh, was just so relevant uh, for today, and just... Uh, to really know God, you, you have to be uh, pure at heart. Like it, it says in Matthew 5, 3, that the blessed are those that are pure at heart, for they shall see God. And I just, uh, just re- realized through reading, the first disciple, or reading about the first disciples and then early in the chapter seeing the uh, Pharisees' first encounter with John the Baptist and how it just showed or just proved that to be true. Like you need to be pure-hearted to really understand who God is. 
like uh, when you when we talk about the Pharisees, they were people who had this idea of who God was going to be when he came. They kind of painted this picture for themselves, and they stu- uh, stood by that. And when he came, they were just like, you know, you know, what is this? But the disciples, on the other hand, they were like these common men. You know, they didn't have much. They were just, they, they knew the word, and they knew uh, uh, what the Old Testament said, and they just were, were able to, to, to see Jesus with pure eyes. Because I, I know for me, if I was to put myself in that situation, and Jesus comes down, virgin birth, my automatic thought is like, you know, Mary's a whore. All these different thoughts are coming in my head. It's just like, <laughs> my first response is not to say, you know, okay, oh, this is Jesus, you know. But I'm going to just read the, the passage from, let's go to John 1. We'll read about the disciples first, and then we'll look at the Pharisees and just compare them. Um, I think we can start in 35. Uh, It says again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking uh, at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Uh, Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? Uh, They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated teacher, where are you staying? Uh, he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and, they re- and he remained with him that day. Or oh, I'm sorry, and they remained with him that day. Uh, one of the two who heard John speak uh, and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Uh, he first found his brother uh, Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. Uh, you should be called Cephas. And then verse 43, it says, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Uh, now, now, Philip was from uh, Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Uh, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. We can stop there. But I guess one of the first things that caught my, caught my eye was in verse 35, that actually the first verse we uh, read. It says, again, the, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And so these, these disciples have been following John for so long. They've been behind him. They've, they were John's disciples. And... Uh, and then John just in one instant says, that's Jesus right there. That's who you need to be following. They don't give any response. They're like, okay, we're following this guy. You know, me, I'm like waiting for, you know, fire to come from heaven or like his white horse to appear or something. You know, I, that would have never been my, refer, my first response to say, you know, okay, I'm going to follow this guy just because of John's testimony. And, you know, again, I would just raise the question for myself is like, how pure hearted am I? to be able to see that, or how pure-hearted do I need to be uh, in comparison to what I am right now to actually see that. Um, And then verse 41, it says, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't want to read that one. 
Verse 43. I don't want to read that one either. Verse 45. It says, uh, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Uh, before I move on, I just, for me, I guess, re- again, just reading that, it's like, or when he says he, uh, this is who Moses wrote about in the law. I've, I've actually, maybe the past month, been reading through Exodus and just kind of been, I've, I can't say I've been studying, but I've just kind of been refreshing uh, my mind with the story. And when I look back on it now, I'm only like 20 chapters, or yeah, 20 chapters in. But when I look back on that, I'm like, you know, well, where was Moses writing about Jesus? You know, like, you know, I just, it was just these things that uh, the disciples are seeing that I'm not seeing. It's like, uh, where does, you know, I don't know. You guys may be seeing this stuff in Exodus. I know I'm not. But for me, I looked at that, I'm like, you know, I am reading through Exodus now, and I'm not seeing what he's saying about seeing Jesus uh, in these verses and in these scriptures. And so it just, it just challenges me and or challenges me to allow the Spirit to allow me to uh, look at this, these verses and these passages with new eyes. And then in verse 46, the next verse, it says, And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good uh, come out of Nazareth? Uh, Philip said to him, Come and see. And then after that, you just see uh, Jesus meet him. Uh, like, um, I guess the the... The place or Nathaniel's, like you don't see any of the other disciples uh, questioning, but but Nathaniel did, and I just I don't know I think. Let me get myself together. Sorry. I guess to bring it back to what we've been talking about and the the idea of just knowing God and what that looks like, I think. Uh, the the need to question God like Nathaniel did was very it's important because we see God meet him like I guess when we, we compare him to the Pharisees because they also questioned but the way they questioned was almost to like discredit and disprove uh, what he was saying but Nathaniel just really with a pure heart was like you know I don't understand this can you know can anything good come out of Nazareth and all his brother says is you know come and see he comes and sees, and his life has changed. God meets him there. And we see that also with uh, Nicodemus. You know, Nicodemus was also a person who, who continually questioned um, about the scriptures and about the words, and it was with a pure heart. He really wanted to know. And I think also when we just talk about knowing God, uh, the importance of questioning and not assuming, you know, that we know everything here, or just painting a picture for ourselves, is it's important. And... We can just, a few verses back, we can read through uh, verse 19. It says, 19 to 28. It says, Now this is the testimony of John when Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. 
Uh, then they said to him, Who are you, that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? John said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, uh, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to untie. I think, again, when we talk about questioning, uh, it was almost like we, we talked about earlier how the Pharisees had this uh, complete picture of who Jesus was supposed to be. And all of their questions were to, like, you know, just to prove John crazy and also this man claiming to be the Messiah crazy. It wasn't this place of really of, of coming to understand. And then we also see um, in verse... 26, it says, uh, John answered him saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. And I just thought that was a very powerful statement because he says he's standing right here. Like the Messiah is literally standing here in, in your midst and you don't know him. And it's just, I don't know. I, I don't know. The Bible convicts me more than anything, but, uh, or challenges me more than anything just to, um, not have this picture of who Jesus to be. I guess uh, for their times, they knew Jesus from, you know, what, what the Old Testament said he should be. And then we look at, you know, First Thessalonians and other verses, like telling us how Jesus will come back. And then even us, we can kind of paint that picture saying he's coming exactly like that, you know. And then I guess just reading that, it challenged me to not just, to not see uh, the literal words that we see in Thessalonians and even in Revelations of what Jesus would look like when he comes back again to, to, to set up his, you know, whatever he's going to do. But just really have this pure heart of being ready for whatever you may see from God when he, when he comes again. We go to John 5, same book, a few pages over. John 5, 38. He says, I'm going to read two verses actually. You don't have to turn to the other one, though. But in John 5.38, it says, But uh, you do not have his word abiding in you. Uh, because whom he sent him, you do not believe. And then in John 7.17, it says, Anyone who chooses to do what God wants him to do uh, will find out whether my teachings come from God or from me. I think when we, again, like on the topic of abiding in God and abiding in Christ, uh, when he says in John seven seventeen, it says, anyone who chooses to do what God wants him to do will find out whether my teachings come from God. And so by abiding in God and just obeying his commandments, uh, when you see Christ, you'll have an understanding of, of who he is. Like you know who Christ is because you've made the decision to obey his commandments. And that doesn't really make sense, but that's what the word says. But if, if you, it says, if you obey my commandments, then you'll know who I am. 
So it's not just receiving it, you know, and, and getting excited about it. It's really obeying, and then he was like, you really would know who, who I am. He, that was often his uh, problem with the Pharisees because they, they knew his word, but they were people who did not obey his word. And so that was another reason why they couldn't see or understand who Christ was uh, when he came. I think I would just... I'll just close with this statement, and I read this um, earlier in the week. It says, I forgot to quote it, so I don't even know who it's from. But it says, uh, we must likewise search particular passages to the bottom and see not what they seem to say, but what they say indeed. And so just building on the fact that, you know, the scriptures say much more than what what we read on the surface. It's not... You know, this. if we memorize this whole thing, you know, from cover to cover, we haven't done any good for ourselves. But it's to really search the scripture for what they are truly saying rather than what they uh, say word for word. I think I'm done. I'm not really good at closing things, so we'll let Daryl do that. Or Noah. Thank you. Awesome word. Awesome word. It's emergency for real, building in my heart during that message. You know, that message, if we look at the crux of that message, in the place of knowing God beyond our familiar places, beyond just the, the surfacy, Christianese, brought up Christian, we know the right sayings, the right thing to do, we know it in a mental ascent, and that's how we approach God. There's an invitation from God. It says in 1 Corinthians to search me and know me. It says that there's deep and hidden things in God's heart that he's looking in the earth to reveal to his sons and daughters. And I believe that John hit such a powerful point when he's saying, um, um, John, come on. I'm just going to get like John for a minute. Jesus. Um, oh my goodness. Um, what was that original? What was that original point about, about the, about God speaking to Jesus? Help me now, Lord. (laughs) My goodness. About Jesus speaking to us certain things and us not walking them out, us not believing them and walking them out in our lives and, and, um, John, please tell me what your original point was in your message. Somebody help me. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, Daryl. I'm sorry. I'm like, Daryl, there's something stirring in my heart. I've got to close them. My goodness. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> my goodness. Sorry, guys. Spirit of stupid all over me right now. <laughs> Get off. <laughs> About receiving the word of God with excitement in our life. Like hearing someone like Daryl or hearing someone like Corey and receiving a word with excitement and then going out the process of our week and falling back in just to the habitual patterns of our life. But the Lord's really calling for us to know his word where throughout history, throughout biblical history, we see God says it's not only good enough for you to bring your garments and your outward appearance or excitement to me. It's not good enough just to raise your hands or to do some type of outward manifestation. But unless the word fills your heart and produces something, then, then it's, then it's, 
then it's nonsense. It's, it's, for, it's for no good purpose at all except for, for the building up of the flesh and the building up of your own uh, prideful view of your own uh, ability to, to live up or know something about God. And I felt just uh, a real pull from God to say, know me. You know, the words I've spoken to you, don't disregard them. The promises I've spoken over your life, the invitations that I've given to you as a son and a daughter, the things I've called you to, come after them. Don't forget them. Don't lay them down so easily. The Word of God is not frivolous. It's not something we should treat lightly, but something that we should constantly be putting on the forefront of our heart. Like like, like Paul says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, write, write the word of the prophetic word on your heart and, and put it before you continually. Let this thing burn in your heart. And I believe that's for us because I, when he was saying it, I just said, God, how many times have I treated your word like, like it was just another thing or got excited when I felt so real the call of God in my heart coming so alive? And I said yes in such a sincere place, but then so easily was swayed away from that place. But I believe God's trying to highlight to us as His people. He's saying, my words, I want to entrust my people with my words so that you can walk them out, so that you can walk in the fulfillment of everything I'm trying to bring out from that place. Did, did anybody else resonate with that place? Amen. So I just want to just be a people, like we were talking about at prayer last night, being a people that don't become familiar with the God who spoke creation into existence. If you think of the expanse of the universe, has anyone ever even started to look into the expanse of the universe? How incredible and how insignificant it seems, Earth, in, in light of the, the magnitude of all creation. And then you even get into the intricacies of all the makeup of creation and the molecular, molecular uh, makeup of humankind and just the, the, the so intricate and thought out and an intentional purpose of God for man, where he's saying, you are so, so, so uh, important to the the purposes of my heart in this universe. Anyways, I just feel an invitation from God just to recall the promises of old in our life and to to rededicate and refresh in that place in our life and to, again, just say, God, we're going after you and everything that you have for us. Amen. (laughs) Thank you, Noah. Come on, good word, John. Thank you so much. Let's give it. I think uh, James chapter 1 summarizes both what Noah was saying and what John was saying best. It's in 15. I'm not going to preach, so don't get scared. <laughs> but in 22 or first, uh, of James chapter 1, this is what he says. But don't just listen to God's word, right? You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are fooling yourself. And this is 23 here. It kind of sticks out. And I think it's kind of what will summarize a bit of what John's saying here. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. And we can get into context like this, get all charged up by a great word, say, I'm going to do things different. We're glancing ourselves in the mirror. Monday comes, and because we're not obeying, we're only fooling ourselves. Because we're not living out the word, we're only fooling ourselves. We're, we're fooling ourselves because that which charged us in the moment had no longevity to last throughout the months, the days, and the years, and so on. I don't know about you, sometimes I look at the mirror and I'm like, dang, 
somebody. And then I'm like, Bethany! Because somebody's going to shout up in this piece today. Bethany! Do you see this? Looks pretty good. I know. Mainly you're laughing because you're like, you're deceived, brother. Let me just tell you. But when you look like this, you got to have, you know, you got to have a little bit of whatever about yourself. But anyways, listen, it's, we're fooling ourselves. We are. If we're not living out this word, we're, we're, we're fooling ourselves. And, and um, we can get charged in the moment. We can try to, you know, we can feel the inspiration in the moment and be like, yeah. And then come an hour, Monday, Tuesday. It's like, what, what, what happened to that? What happened to that transaction on Sunday that God met me and charged me, inspired my heart? And I believe all throughout Scripture, God's calling his body to one thing. Well, not to one thing, many things. But this thing is highlighted all throughout Scripture, and it's obedience. We have a hard time. I don't know about you growing up. I had a hard time obeying. Hallelujah. Does anyone know what I'm saying? I mean, I broke my mom's heart because I just... I could not, I could not honor her and essentially obey her request. And I broke her heart. I, I broke my family because of it. And, 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 and likewise, I see that in some Christians walked with God. He is calling us to a level of obedience. You know, it's 535. We had a short time of worship. Okay, I don't know. The kids were getting crazy up in here. I don't know if you noticed. But what I'd like to do is maybe go into a time of worship. And you're, you're welcome to stay for it. You're welcome to go. Okay? But I think we're going to just kick the music back up, go into a time of worship. And, and, and we only have the place till uh, a 7. We certainly won't go that long. But I think, you know, just with the short time we have, it would be right hearing these words. I know uh, it's such a great speed now because you don't hear Daryl yelling at you. you got, like, this real, like, Easy, like one level. Come on, somebody. I'm a screamer. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. I'm also a snorer. Yep. Well, I want to welcome the uh, worship team back up. And if you want to stay, you want to hang out and worship Jesus with us a little bit, uh, please do. Um, If you could, parents, could you relieve our children uh, your children, our, our children's workers. Um, you know, it's, they, they do a lot up there. They're managing a lot. And children's church is growing, man. We got some kids up in here. And that's awesome. But if you could relieve them, and if you want to worship with us, worship with us. If you don't, it's fine. We're officially dismissing. We love you guys. God bless. <laughs>